Welcome back to Silver Lining Film Talk with Jay and Ram. I'm Ram. I am Jay. And we'll probably get the order right. Uh, I just thought about it now. Like, I know I'm kind of like leading the conversation here, but uh, I'm like, I'm Ram, I'm Jay, but the film, but it's called with Jay and Ram, not Ram and Jay. So <laughs> we'll make sure that we get that right uh, for uh, new we'll episodes. We'll get it in the edit. <laughs> yeah, we'll get it in the edit. We'll, we'll get we'll get it right eventually. Um, but yeah, so we're talking about Friday the 13th uh, 2. A movie that I actually like more than part one. Uh, I think part one did what it needed to do uh, to establish like a new franchise, I guess. Well, maybe people didn't think it was going to be a franchise. Starring Pillow Man. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, for part one, it was good. It was like basically like Halloween at a camp, right? The reason why I like this one more is that this one differentiates itself from being like almost like a Halloween movie. And I say that because it's easy to look at the first movie and say like, oh, this is almost feels like it's Halloween, but it's at a camp. There's the POV shot. There's the killer. But then you have Pamela Voorhees. This movie, this movie is a little bit different. I think it's more stylistic. I think it has some better shots. Um, and I will, I will go on with that. But like, I happen to like this one better than part one. Um, Jay, what are your thoughts? So for me, I... This is in the phase of we're still trying to figure out how we want Jason to look, kind of like his, his signature look. Because in this one, he obviously has the um, sack farm. head. Yeah, he's got the the farmer overall. He's ready to go do some some uh, some farming and uh, tend to some hay. Um, but this is uh, clearly the movie where he's kind of trying to find his identity, and uh, it's an interesting movie because um, I think. People can enjoy it as, oh, we're finally getting Jason. So that ending credit scene at the first movie validates it. Validates it. It wasn't like it was a dream, but it also wasn't a dream at the same time. It was only just a dream. He was telepathically connecting uh, <laughs> with her. Um, He's like, Mama. And he, for for what it's worth, uh, this movie actually does kind of make you question the, the franchise a little bit in terms of like the lore, actually, like about. Uh, well, we'll get into it as as we move on but oh uh, for sure because there's a giant question mark it's like so he's been around in the bar <laughs> yeah in the the bar later in the in, in... and he's like well it's like his mom never found him but she's really upset but she knows he he died it was the implication the implication is that jason died but then somehow he did i don't know so what we're gonna say is that the reason why i do like this movie better is because i do think that the cinematography is better i think that stylistically some of the shots that they chose we're better like right when we start off right well first first off you got to get past like the first like 10 minutes because the first 10 minutes is just a retread of what happened kind of like um kind of like halloween 2 giving you a recap um, we're gonna talk about halloween 2 as well but like with that movie it's kind of like we see the ending of halloween the first one this one's the same thing like you're getting a retreading of what happened with alice and like how she ended up uh killing pamela Voorhees, and then after she beheads her then we see the dream sequence and all that okay now that's done. One of the most effective scenes to start a movie is in Friday the 13th uh, Part 2. A well-done shot. There is a girl that is skipping in the puddles. And then her mom calls her to like go back in the house. And she's like, oh. And like when she turns and steps away, then we see like a giant like you know foot step on the puddle. And like now we know that, like well, we don't know who it is. But I mean... I believe it, the music... Uh, elevates a, a tiny bit as well yes the music does elevate it i just love that shot because 
you know, you just see feet skipping and you don't even know, like you're thinking like, is this girl going to die? Because you don't, (laughs) it's dark outside. She's skipping in the water and then she stops and then she turns and walks. And then almost immediately afterwards, then you just see the foot slam into the puddle and you're like, oh crap. Okay. Now we know where we're at. And then again, one of the things that we didn't talk about in the Friday the 13th, the first one was just kind of like how ideal, idyllic the, um, the town was like how it like looks like a place you'd want to grow up and live like it looks like a small small town that looks quaint um and it we see alice i guess alice after all the trauma that she has gone through has decided to stay nearby <laughs> she's she's you know she, she's done well for herself well she's painting she's kind of just doing things on her own um but still staying within the ra- 100, 100 miles <laughs> staying yeah. within the radius of, of of the camp so one of the pov shots that i do like is when she is showering and then we get like a pov shot almost like a psycho and then she opens up the curtain that was one of the few times that i was like okay so they're showing us that they're changing things up a little bit because the way that the shot looked it clearly looked like okay is is this is the killer in the frame and when she opens up the shower curtain she's going to get attacked um but no so then we have all this tension that's building and stuff, and then she is making tea, and she like hears a noise by the window, and of course the window's open, because what would a horror movie be without like stuff being open? And a slight breeze, yeah. <laughs> a slight breeze, and then of course this damn cat uh, jumps out of nowhere, right and then she's like, "Oh, can, can you know, are you hungry? Do you want me to feed you?" And what was great about that scene is before she got to that cat her being like scared she grabs like an ice pick and then she walks over and then she puts it down and then when she goes to open the fridge there's like a head in there now i don't know whose head that is because it's not well i don't want to ruin we'll get to it but like there's just a head in there and then as uh she screams like backs up yeah and backs up she's grabbed by the top of her forehead or i'm sorry grabbed by like the throat or something and then i know that the killer puts the um, ice pick right through right through the side of her uh head and like that was intense i mean kudos i mean he knows how to take care of a you know a head that uh has probably been decomposing for a while he knows how to preserve a head that's for sure what we saw in the fridge is something we're going to see later on too um it's relevant but it was it was very interesting, and this time Cunningham did not come back. This was directed by Steve Miner, um, as as it says, the Steve Miner film. Uh, we still have the same uh, music. The music is still done by the same um, person. Um, but the way the movie starts is interesting, and when she gets stabbed, now we know we're moving on to other characters because I mean she is from the first one, but then she's taken out, and we're like, oh crap. And interestingly so, enough, uh, Alice actually. Um because I think they wanted her to be in the movie a little bit longer, but they, she actually asked to be killed off, I believe, because um, after the first movie, she was getting, I believe, letters from, like, a stalker. And they decided that, you know, they didn't want her to have to deal with that drama, so they had her killed off early in the movie so that maybe it would kind of, like, like, she would stop getting those, and thankfully she did. Yeah, um, I, that's an important thing is, is that, you know, we're all fans of movies, but then there's a point where these are human beings as well. And as Jay brought that up, it kind of reminds me of Danielle Harris from Halloween four. Um, she had stalkers as well. Like it, it's one thing to be a fan of the movies, ladies and gentlemen, but it's another thing to take it to another level and feel like a personal connection. Like there's one thing to be a fan, right? That's why we love comic cons, you know? 
yeah, we, we, we love comic cons. We love going to different ones. I, I regret that I didn't go to the Halloween 45th anniversary in Pasadena. Cause I heard John Carpenter popped up. Like that would have been gnarly to be there, but, um, you can have respect and to some extent adulation for the person, but like you, you leave it there. Like you don't also like now become so aggressive and like threaten the person's life or you become obsessed with them. But I mean, it's, it's common. It's going to happen. You get a little bit of fame that, that happens. And for that actress, like, I didn't know that about her, but I mean, it would yeah, thankfully, sense. And, and thankfully for Alice's actor, um, it was mostly just letters, but I mean, either way, it's still, it's still disturbing, right? Yeah. It's, it puts like an actor on high alert and, and makes their life kind of a living hell to an extent. Um, but now going back after that ice pick death, now we are now in a situation where we have a new group of counselors and you know that when you get to a sequel and this starts to become the trend for friday the 13th especially the more counselors there are you're they're just there for the kills like you bring more people out because when you when you need to spread out that runtime <laughs> there's gonna have to be deaths so the more counselors you have the more you can because it's not like the story in general is very the story isn't what's carrying it it's yeah. more like the lore and then also well jason's clearly lurking around yeah, yeah, and and there's not like all these different like side characters in that sense. So we're like, because like in part three, you have counselors mixed with like side characters like that just the, happened the, to show. Was up it like that, the bikers? Yeah, the bikers so, that want to get revenge for uh, for getting gypped at the yeah. At the gas so there's station. there's more people that are added to like the franchise because it's just so they can die. But it's okay because like these characters are kind of funny. Um, but yeah, so now we we fast forward after her death. It's been a couple months later. And now they're new set of campers, new set of campers. Uh, It's Paul that's like leading it. Like these are all people that have been counselors before, but like now they're in training or whatever. And like, he's trying to like build something with them because they're going to have camp. Um, Paul leads it and yeah, it's a counselor training center. So then we get introduced to all of the the cast of characters. Um, One that stands out for me is Mark. Um, But that's just because like, Mark's like in a wheelchair and what they do to Mark is just, it's just wrong. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's weird too, because uh, in this movie, th- this is probably the one cast of counselors that actually really have good chemistry with each other. They do. Like yeah. everything actually feels like supernatural with how they all interact and how they kind of get along with each other. Yeah. They, uh, they, they all sold it and they were all believable. And even that one guy that's like goofy all the time, the, yeah. the doofus, the, the one, one that's doing handstands. Yeah, or the the one that, like, in the beginning of the movie where we start off with, like, two of our characters and they're driving and then they get their car towed and the car is towed and then they think that, like, somebody really, like, towed And he's just car. joking And with he's them, just yeah. joking with And he them. actually, um, hilariously enough, he, he lives through the... Yeah, because he doesn't end up... We'll get back to, to that character because that's what I was remembering right now as, as Jay brought this up. Like, he doesn't end up going back to the camp. So, yeah, he stays at the party. So he stays at uh, at a party where he was at. Like they went out on um, a night in the town. Yeah, but um, the counselors are almost kind of like warnings. Like I feel like from this movie forward, uh, kind of like you said, they serve the pur- some of them serve the purpose of oh they're here to be killed. They almost serve as like self awareness checks to each other because you know Paul does explain to them the the legend 
of, of Crystal Lake. Yeah, and that goes, that actually was uh, my next point. That's what I had on the notes too, is uh, I had here Campfire. And that's when he gives the story about Jason and then that guy comes in and scares everybody. But he just talks about like Jason and what had happened at the camp and how many people died. And there's rumors that Jason is still alive. And um, and he even adds to the lore because he, he brings up that Jason watched his mom die. Yeah. Which is interesting because, you know, if you watch the first movie and then you're watching this right after, you're under the belief that she 100% with definitive knowledge knows that her son died. Yeah. And and then, yeah, and then to add to that, it's like when you add that lore that he watched her die, it's just, it's crazy because then it gives you the impression like he's just watching his mom avenge him, but he just doesn't want her to know but he's, he's a quiet, alive. He, he's, a, he's a quiet observer. <laughs> he's just like... And then it makes you think, like, wouldn't A24 add that, that he hated his mom? Like, wouldn't that be the twist? Because, because why wouldn't he reveal himself? Yeah, wh- why wouldn't he say, like, no, mom, I'm here. Like, so maybe there's going to be some stuff that will be revealed in the, the, the TV show or whatever that A24 is going to do. Because that would make sense, because that would be the only way to tie the lore. <laughs> to- yeah, because they, they, they bring it up as a point that, you know, later in the movie, just to stick with, like, the lore aspect of it, that, you know the main heroine says, you know, like maybe, maybe Jason didn't die. Maybe he's been kind of just living off the land and surviving. Yeah. Which, you know, they reveal in later movies that their house was not that far from the camp. Yeah. So it just kind of, it kind of like, it mushes the lore together to kind of fit what you think the head canon is because then it's like, okay, so he was wandering around the lake and he stayed there, but he never went back to his house. But his house also exists like within a thirty to fifty yard, <laughs> like fifty yard radius. Well, and and that's the the problem uh, with movies sometimes when you have to like inject your own logic. You kind of retcon to, a little bit. Yeah, you, or you have to put the pieces together as as an audience member because there's just certain things. Like there's times where movies are opaque and they provide that level of of ambiguity. But then there's just times where like movies are just confusing to the point where you're like. You know, someone could be like, oh, well, you didn't get it. It's like, no, no, the movie I don't think gets itself. Um, but to your point earlier that sometimes when you make a movie, you're not expecting that it's going to get a sequel. So you're not trying to like think that far ahead. And then when you do get a sequel, then you're like trying to go back and maybe like show a scene from the first movie, but in a different perspective to kind of give you that. Oh, well, it was. It yeah, rarely, there. rarely is it ever going to be that calculating as a person when you're creating these things that you're gonna you know because you don't know if you're gonna get that next movie so it makes me think of like uh you know ty west creating um x x and then he created pearl now he did those movies back to back but i don't know if he foresaw that he was gonna make maxine which will be coming out at some point which by the way we'll go over those movies because they're pretty good movies and a great like return to horror cinema horrors had a very actually amazing kind of like renaissance in the in the last few years where the horror genre has has gone smarter more elevated um and it makes it makes it a more interesting uh genre but uh going back again to the campfire scene like afterwards you know the campers go and they go to do their thing and then jenny who is basically the um the lead the lead um she's the final the final girl essentially she has a relationship with paul or whatever so like everyone's just hanging out and messing around or whatever and then we see her and paul like in a room because they're obviously a couple and you know god man i could i could be wrong or whatever but what news was she trying to tell paul was she trying to tell him she was pregnant or something 
What does she say? Like right before like they're about to kiss, she's like, "Paul, I have to tell you something." And I don't know if I remember. And I just I'm watched to the remember movie. If but... they, I I don't believe she ever revealed what it was. Yeah, because right after she says that, but they do make it a point that they like they want you to like at least think about what she's gonna tell. That's them. that's what I thought she was gonna say because it's like she was in the throes of passion with Paul and they're like making out and stuff. And then he like she looks in his eyes. She's like, "Paul, I have to tell you something." And then you know he just keeps kissing her and stuff. While all that is happening, then we have, you know, uh, what's his name? The, uh, God. Crazy Ralph. Yeah, Crazy Ralph He is, decides, is there. instead of staying away from the camp, that he's actually going to... He's proactive. Up. Yeah, he, he's going to show up at the camp. Because now his idea is, at least from what they made it look like, was that he was going to scare them to try to leave. And uh, Jason, Jason didn't, didn't, uh, he didn't, he didn't take too kindly to that. Yeah, so he's hiding behind a tree, looking like John Lovitz and Little Nicky, and um, just watching what's going on through the window. And then, you know, he gets barbed wire across his neck, and basically, you know, he just strangles and gets killed. And you're like, oh man, well, now the crazy, likable, in a way, you know, conspiracy theorist, conspiracy theorist is now gone. So. I love it in the in this movie too because he does the same uh, kind of shot he does in the first movie where he's like you're all doomed and then he goes off on his on his bicycle which is just yeah and and then after that that's when the two kids like sneak off you know after yeah. that kill and then they get caught by that police officer and then they find I think it looked like a, like a dead dog what they find in the woods it looks like it was mutilated and I think it's meant to look like it was that one dog that mm-hmm. like survives uh, yeah. at the end. Um, and then that's when the police officer does kind of like his dialogue dump of like how, you know, you, sh- you should choose a different county to do your revamp or to do your. Yeah, because it's a little it's a little stuff. weird out here. There, there's there are certain areas we don't go to. Well, and it goes back to that's what made that's why actually part two will turn out to probably be either my favorite. It's between part two and part three. But it's because like it go it, it's a better movie than part one. Because again, I like I think the shots are better, but then also the story is better. But when the cop is revealing stuff, it reminds me of like it, where like people are aware of what goes on in Derry, right? It's like everyone feels like that about Camp Crystal Lake. They know that stuff goes down there, and it's almost like they don't want to acknowledge it and test. Their, they don't want you to tempt fate, so they're basically saying like, "Look, yes, okay, Pamela Voorhees was killed. She was killed." And they found the killer, but they feel like anytime people are going to go to that land and counselors or whoever is going to inhabit that land, stuff is going to happen to you. So it's almost like now it's become such a superstition that there's a lore around it now where there was already a lore to begin with, but now it's basically like... Where it's not just people, it's not just the town's folk now, it's it's like actual like police that are telling Yeah, you. don't tempt it. It's almost like they have a, cer- a certain supernatural belief because what's in the first one... The police officer, uh, you can tell that the town does have supernatural beliefs, or they have. But he doesn't things. really. He he doesn't really give off that intention in the first movie. He's more like just okay, guys. Like don't like. Just... Well, well, it's not the same cop. But what I'm saying though is that, in terms of the cops, yeah, because the when the one cop that talks to Paul, the one that drops like when Paul dies in the first one, when he uh, or not not Paul, I'm sorry. Um, what was his name in the first one? The the guy that like, the he, jokey one, yeah. No, no, no. The, the, the one that was at the um, diner, the one that's like in the yellow raincoat that gets stabbed. He was like the main counselor. Oh, Christy, yeah. Um, 
but but the guy I, I don't know what his name was that I forgot what his character was because Paul is the main guy for part for two. part two yeah but for part one that guy he's in a vehicle. yeah Christy the, the well I know that his oh, last name was Christy his last name was Christy liquor, yeah yeah he he's in a car and this is from part one by the way he's in a car with the cop and I remember the cop's dialogue was like pretty epic he was talking about the full moon and he was saying that like yeah. Uh, every time there's a full moon, people act out of their mind. And he was like trying to tell him that like every time there's a full moon, people kill people, blah, blah, blah. And then Christy like relays back his information. He's like, don't make like a science out of coincidence. So you can already tell like going back to the first one that there is this belief in something like supernatural or something that can happen in, in, in any area. Because if they have the belief that the moon is going to elicit that type of behavior, I feel like that's like how they feel this cop is relaying that information to them like you're you're testing fate like you're testing the townsfolk tell him too when he goes to have uh when he's having i believe coffee at the diner Mm -hmm. and a couple of the folks are like yeah what are you here for and he's like yeah i'm reopening the camp and they're kind of they're a little apprehensive about it like oh yeah that that sounds kind of yeah you know what and that that's valid because that goes back even to the first one when annie in the beginning of the movie goes into remember how all the people turn around like looking like crazy like locals yeah, because they're, they're like, like oh, you you're, you're clearly not from here. Yeah, yeah. that's what you're going to go? You're going to go there? Um, but but yeah, so he talks about how long it's been since that incident and then says they should have done it like at another county. Um, and then right immediately after that, the police officer, like, you know, the killer just runs through. Yeah, I was going to bring that up. Yeah, J- Jason wanted to be seen this time around. Yeah, and he runs what it feels like forever. <laughs> to get to his his little cabin in the woods yeah and then he does get there and then that's when we find out that the killer has to be jason Voorhees because then he well he gets into like the area where he sees like i guess this is where jason's been living yeah he has he's been held kind up. of run down shack and then he takes a look and he sees like well from his perspective we just see lights I guess. And yeah, later, whatever's in the room. Yeah, and we don't know what it is yet. And then, you know, we'll get to that. And then Jason gives him a nice bonk on the, the head. Oh, my God. It it has It's not lost on me that, like, Jason kills him with, with a, hammer. a hammer. And then Halloween 2 is very similar to where someone gets hammered as well. Except we get the bonk. <laughs> we, we do get the bonk sound in, in Halloween 2. So, yeah, after the police officer dies, then, like, then after that, this is where the movie gets split, right? Because then the count, the the counselors, and especially like Paul and Jenny, and then like a couple of others, they decide to go on a night on the town. So half of them are going to basically like a, a bar. bar to hang out and socialize, and the other half are left there. And then that's when like, well, this is when the killing will start. The real killing of everyone left. Jason right. was waiting. He was waiting for the numbers to go down a little bit. <laughs> He's like, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna take everyone out, but I don't want to do it all at the same time. Yeah, and then from there, you know, everything starts to happen. People get, uh, people keep getting killed left and right while they're there. There is some talk at the bar about Jason and how they're they're trying to rationalize whether it's true or not. Do you really think the legend could be true? So you you have those. That, that's when Jenny says maybe he didn't die. Maybe yes. Maybe he's <laughs> maybe he's just been wandering around, and maybe when he saw his mom die, like you know it. It traumatized him. I mean, I think almost drowning would... Because then that makes you question in the movie, did he actually drown or did he near drown? Near drown. But end up on the other side of the lake and 
never sees his mom, which again would play into like, I think great point you made earlier. If they do an A24 series, they could kind of show that dichotomy of that. He maybe just didn't like his mom and he was trying to get away from her. Cause like, what other reason would you have if they just read It's like Jason pretended to drown on purpose and his mom led this crusade. <laughs> yeah. He was like, you know, I, I'm the counselors are cool, but I'm not too fond of them. Well, from what I've heard and side tangent, but they're at least the way people were positing it is that like Jason's dad is going to be like a douche. Ooh, so what if, if you... what if Jason became like a survivalist and he learned early on how to fend for himself because he had two shitty parents? See, I'm 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 glad you brought that up because now I can bring this up in this episode. But in uh, part six, my favorite, by the way, um, there was a drunk undertaker that is a little too self-aware in that movie. Um, but at one point when he is like out on the town, he's drinking and in the original scripts, that was supposed to be his dad was an oh. undertaker. That's kind of drunk. Cause at one point he has to like redig Jason's grave and there's a foot sticking out of there and it's someone else, but he thinks it's Jason. And he's like, you think I'm going to get in there? I must be dumb. And then he looks at the camera. <laughs> Um, but originally he was just a drunk undertaker. He's just kind of like a side character that you're not really supposed to care about. But in the original, that was supposed to be like alluding to the fact that that that's his dad. Well, then I think that that prequel would fit perfectly then if they do it that way, because then they could justify like, the parents are like estranged. They're estranged. And then Jason, maybe he pretended to drown and then like he has enough skills to survive on his own. And like he loved his mom, but like not enough to like want to let her know he was alive. But then when he sees her get killed, maybe he has a change of heart or something. But that would be like more, that would be more like an A24 elevated type thing. Yeah. Because then the longer we get into these movies, the longer we start realizing like, oh, this stuff's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. Know? But um, the lore is kind of going to go all over the place. But yeah, but I mean, I think that, that that's that's interesting, you know, when she posits that and then Jason starts picking off people left and right unfortunately mark in the wheelchair gets a machete right in his face oh my god and, every and time i, think, I every time uh, i see that I, kill you feel so bad for the guy because first of all like i would have given you know if i was a director i would have most, given him the scene to at least fight jason a little bit he literally is just like calling out somebody's name and then out of nowhere the machete just boom right on his face he's also he's also not a i wouldn't say he's really a small guy either he's pretty Man's pretty stacked. Well, they talk about how stacked he is too, because in the movie he's beating everyone with arm wrestling. Yeah, like he, like he's the masculine guy, like in that group. Like he shows that masculinity that he's a strong dude, a good guy. Like you, you start to care about his character because of that. Like you're like, oh, this guy's a good guy. Like, and then you know he's gonna die, because again, when you have the logic of these movies, you know who the final girl is, because it's already been established who yeah. the final girl is. Because again, guys, when you watch movies. Not that I want you to like have to be that um, vigilant all the time when you're watching a movie. I want you to obviously entertain, like have entertainment value. Just watch it to watch it. But it's really hard because when you watch a movie, people don't get screen time for no reason. So for instance, people that are in the movie longer, there's a reason for that. If they show a character and they have dialogue, there's a reason for that. Nine times out of ten, that person matters to the movie. But the one that's probably like the biggest thing is casting as well. And that's what ruins movies because like we, you know, Jay and I watched so many movies that like we can probably figure out the movie early on. Who the villain is. Because of the casting. Because that actor, that personal actor always plays a villain in movies. So sometimes like it just throws you off. Well, in this movie, it's like they establish that, 
you know, Jenny is the main character, so we know she's going to live. It's just a matter of, like, how these people are going to go out in this movie. And the way that Mark goes out is pretty brutal. And then we have the two characters that go off into the water. And then... It's the one thing to get machete. It's another thing to get machete. Then he rolls down the steps. Oh, yes, yes. Going back to Mark. Yeah, he rolls down the steps afterwards. Probably still alive a little bit because he's he's still in shock and bleeding out. But, um... But then after that, there's like two characters that have been kind of like longing for each other throughout the movie. Uh, it starts, you know, part of the beginning of the movie, he throws a rock at her behind. Mm-hmm. That's the one guy that keeps striking out. Remember, he like dances with the dog and everything. Yeah. But it looks like she's willing to maybe give him a shot. She like gets naked and starts swimming in the lake. And then you see her clothes that are taken. And it was actually him that took the clothes. Like it makes you think that it's the killer. It's Jason. But, but it's, it's not. actually just him. Yeah. And then he's messing around. But then he falls into a trap, gets like put upside down, and then Jason comes and like you know slits his throat, and then he ends up killing the other. What girl. a way to go! I know he was already upside down. You gotta like, and he's probably just thinking like, oh, the 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 she got together with like our other camp buddies and probably set this up. Yeah, and then he's like, no, not only am I gonna die like terribly, but I'm gonna be upside down watching like Sackhead come over here. <laughs> The, the town that dreaded sundown because that's what it reminds me of like that's what he the, looks the, like the, but did yeah. that movie come out before friday the 13th it makes me wonder um there's another movie guys called the town that dreaded sundown and that one's a really good movie from the 70s i think and yeah the killer has wears like a like a sack like a very face. similar like sack it, and it then the, the eye is one eye is like cut out or whatever i think it might have been made before friday I th- yeah i think the difference two. between their two masks is in sundown he does have two eye holes whereas like with jason i think it's just one. it was just one yeah yeah but um a good movie too we'll probably review that because there's been an updated version of that as well there's there was the old one and then there was uh the the recent one that was made in the 2000s but yeah um so those two were like killed and then he kills like a couple that again was like making love like in the upstairs uh, in, in the, the canopy. little canopy yeah yeah and then he he takes them out um oh he he puts the spear through both of them yeah so that that kills so he gets a two in one yeah he got he got a two for one special um but stabs through them and then who else is killed before uh jenny gets there because guys it, it's it's hard sometimes to keep track because yeah like it, once it, you get to the other movies there's so many counselors that get killed and you're just more or less trying to remember like when they died but then also who they were because sometimes with the counselors they'll tell you their name and then you might hear it a couple more times in the movie but then they kind of just like are like you know why you're here yeah guys no joke these movies are fun to watch like this is the type of movie to like get pizza like jay said earlier get your mates and just sit back and watch and just laugh at this shit because here's the thing these movies because of how repetitive the plot is in a way they bleed into each other so like as i'm talking to you right now i'm getting flashbacks of kills from three four and five and six and on because they kind of meld together a little bit they do because you're like oh wait that kill wasn't oh that kill was in three or that kill was in four and then you think to yourself like oh what that's the wrong movie so with the exception of jason x i can't mix up those kills like the guy handstanding that's he's that's in uh space when he's handstanding and then he looks like he's he's not looking like forward and then when he looks up and jason's there and he just yeah yeah that's um that's crazy i'm trying to remember what horror movie i was just thinking of right now see i i've seen so many movies they're bleeding together right now because i was like was the movie where the guy like took the machete and like threw it up the guy's groin basically like scrambled his eggs 
but I was like, oh, it was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. So it's interesting it was the that you say that because uh, someone else does get their eggs scrambled uh, <laughs> in the fourth Friday where okay. uh, Jason uh, impales him with a spear gun down there and then oh. lifts him up in the air and, oh, then pro- and then proceeds to like shoot the gun. But he's like doing it very slowly and you're just, okay. you're just hearing the guy screaming. Yeah, because I just rewatched. Um... Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the 2003 one, the one that had uh, Jessica Biel and, um, by the way, the guy that played Jay in one of our favorite TV shows, uh, Kingdom, he was in that movie. Oh, he was? Yeah, he was kind of the, um, so you remember how in the, side tangent guys, you remember how in the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, there was a guy in the wheelchair, he was kind of like. Yeah, he hit the floor. uh, But in the original, the guy that was in the wheelchair with, with glasses he was kind of like the no, I don't want to say wimpy, but he was kind of the scared guy. That's who he played, except he wasn't a wheelchair in a wheelchair in this one. Mm-hmm. So he played like the guy that was kind of like scared. Um, but there's a point where he's fighting Leatherface and Jessica Biel's in there, and then like Leatherface puts him like on a chandelier, and he, his hands have been handcuffed, so he can't get Move. out. And yeah. then he gets it. Oh no, I'm sorry. It wasn't a machete. It was the chainsaw. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> I'm just like, oh my lord, but uh, but yeah. So Jason gets through and does what he needs to do. Now um, Jay and I were talking earlier about the guy that survives, the guy that's kind of the jokester of the movie, because Paul and um, Jenny decide to go back to the camp, and when they go back to the camp, um, that's that's yeah. well, that's when everything's going to unfold. But he decided to stay there. But when they get back, that's when they start finding. Like, okay, people are dead. And then Jason reveals himself. But this is the reason why I really like this movie. Um, is because Jason does not appear supernatural. He's clumsy. Um, he's strong, but he's not overly powering because Paul does a pretty good job when he's fighting him. Paul, you could, you could Paul argue, underhooks him and is moving him around. You, you know? could argue that he kind of takes everyone by surprise and maybe the reason he didn't do that for Paul and Jenny was because he felt like, okay, well there's only two of them left. Yeah. So I, I, I probably can overpower this guy. Yeah. And, and because of how, how stumbling and it, it seemed more realistic. That's why I'll put two over one because number one established the franchise, but number two is a better film and feels more realistic because Jason is killing people, but a lot of the people he kills, they're stealth kills. Like he's catching them off guard and then he's also got the same macabre sense of uh, setup that Michael does uh, from Halloween one because uh, when he kills the guy handstanding with the machete, if I remember correctly, he does put him <laughs> on the, the ceiling. Yeah, like in one of the rooms, like he has him hanging up there, and you're just kind of like, <laughs> I wonder how he got him up there. But then you see him later and how how strong he is, and you're like, okay, yeah, that that actually does. Yeah, because. Check out. It, it's just great to see that in a movie that he is clumsy and he moves around and he's not very quick and stuff like he he's he seems average because him and Paul wrestle for a while and then I think he kind of knocks out Paul for a second and then now it's Jason and Jenny and they're now on their chase and they're going he's going at it he's fighting her she's fighting him um one of my favorite parts is like the that damn mouse like when she's hiding underneath like the bed and then I get, that's her urine I'm assuming that I I believe so yeah so it's not um, the I don't think it's the mouse I don't think it's the mouse's urine um but when she like slides out of the bed he's like on a chair and then he jumps to try to stab her but he like slips on the chair yeah what I like about that is that it's showing that Jason truly could also be 
obviously like a grown man. He's a grown man, but he still has maybe like the mindset of a boy though. Like he's killing. He knows he has the strength to kill people, but he's not all there though. Like in the sense that like he knows that he can kill people, but what kind of strategy is that? Like him on a small like little chair and he's waiting for her. Yeah. And then like, he falls off the chair. Like logic would tell you that like, you know, why don't you just like stand in a corner and you know, wait for her and to, wait for her. Yeah. Um, because for, he, and I don't even know how he got on that chair, by the way, because the way that the angle looked, it looked like he went out because you see like, yeah, because like it, so that he go through the window and super the, quietly yeah, yeah, and then he just got his sneak skill was was uh and then was he max. just tippy toed on on the chair that was about to break um but i what, like the detail when she tries to get in the car and she um and he's trying to open it and she opens the door to knock him over it, it felt like very human to see him actually fall over into the mud and he's like yeah he's like trying to get well up. and then stylistically speaking another shot that i really like is the time lapse where like they show her running and then Jason running and they show the moon. Mm-hmm. Like I do like, I, I think this alluding movie, back to the, what the towns. Yeah. And, said. and I do think that the movie had a little bit more like style, like it had better shots in this movie um, than the original. I think the person to the cinematography for this one was a little bit more artistic in how they set up stuff. Like, like from the puddle in the beginning to like that time lapse, like it kind of is like, lets you know that she's running for a little bit. He's chasing her and stuff um and then yeah and then she finally ends up going to the spot where the police officer was killed and then that's when we reveal that what what was behind that light the police officer saw it and he was like my god and then he was killed she sees it and it's actually pam lavore he's his head so he has maintained his mother's head and almost made a shrine out of it he also has um and and as a, a fan i never understood it either um because it, it threw me off a little bit is he did have other bodies in there yeah he, it wasn't just oh, yeah, like i did, believe yeah. he had i believe he had alice's body in there he also had the uh the girl that really um was attracted to uh mark yeah like he like, she was, was in there too yeah because other people wherever he killed them he kind of left them or if he did move them they were still in that general vicinity of where he killed them but like yeah, yeah a couple of bodies he he moved over to the shack yeah there's some people that he put around uh put around his mom's head and then just to comfort his mom <laughs> it's just like uh, i offered his tribute but uh then you had you know jason comes in and then she kind of takes on the role of the mom you know, puts on the sweater and starts talking like the mom. And then he has like his little psychosis too, where he thinks it's his mom for a second. And then right when she's about to strike him, she moves just a tad bit for him to see that the head is there. And that's, and it snaps him out of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then Paul and him get in a wrestling match. And then she hits Jason with a machete on the side, like on his collarbone or whatever. And then he falls over. I like the practical effects there that it kind of, it just did, but it like, there's, oh, not, it was deep. there's not a ton of blood or anything. It's just, it just digs into yeah. his. And the sound blood. too. Like you're like, Ugh. Yeah, yeah, that sound was like really heavy. But after that, then they go back. They do to... take off his mask, but they don't show what it, what he looks like. Oh, I remember Paul, oh, we, just, Paul oh, just takes it we off. We get that at the end. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So after that, then they end up going back to the, um, like one of the, one of the cabins or whatever. And then. They hear a knock at the door, and then after they open the door, um, it's the dog. And they're like, oh my god, the dog's alive. The dog lived. I think that was one of the things that was supposed to be a surprise, because, again, that, that could be wrong here, but when the two campers like leave, or the counselors leave, and then they get caught by the police officer, they find like a mutilated, like it looks like a mutilated dog. And it kind of, so, it's trying to give you that impression. And it looks like, like that he, dog. Yeah, it's like he, he killed the dog. 
So then after that, she feels relieved, and then Jason pops out of the window and grabs her, and we get to see exactly what he looks like. The deformity of his face, he has longer hair, obviously, and he's in the overalls because he's a grown man now. Um, and then after he grabs her, she wakes up from her dream. And after she wakes up, she's calling out for for um, Paul because I think they're loading her into the uh, yeah, ambulance. She, and she's calling out for Paul, but the thing that I don't know because, again, like I'm not very big on the uh, the lore for it, but um, did, did Paul live? Like, See, and that's – and I was just going to bring that up too is that they, they leave that ambiguous for some reason because we don't know if, if Paul Like did Paul die died. in – when he was fighting Jason at the end? Yeah, like maybe that. Like her hitting him with the machete was real, but maybe the idea of Paul getting up and being with her, that wasn't real. Because it is a question that I, I you know, undoubtedly, if someone watches the movie, they're going to wonder like, okay, so did, did Paul actually croak at the end? Because they don't really tell you. Because she does ask for him and they're... Yeah, and then they just drive off. And then the last like scene that we get is of the head. We just see like Pamela Voorhees' It's head. still there. And it's still there, and and there's still candles, like uh, almost paying uh, tribute to it. So, yeah, I mean, but overall, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much like the movie, and uh, I'll give my closing thoughts. So I thought it was entertaining. I think it's a better movie. I think stylistically it's better. There's a lot better shots. Um, even with the additional characters that were all going to get killed off, uh, as Jay said, they felt more natural, um, especially with camaraderie. Uh, the score is still okay. I like the fact that Jason's stumbling. He looks human. He doesn't look supernatural. Like even uh, the chainsaw that he gets hit with, it breaks on his arm. So it's and and chainsaws are known like for not being reliable. Like you could turn one on and it could it could turn off. So Jason didn't take any shots that like any human, especially on high adrenaline, wouldn't could, couldn't be able to take. So. Um, having that like level of realism that he's a strong guy but at the same time he still st- stumbles and when he has the element of surprise yet he, he kills people but when he doesn't he can still look human trying to kill somebody so i thought it was good i think the ending is solid there is that ambiguous nature of they kind of you know, wanted to do it a little bit with part one again where yeah and and i don't know what goes on with paul at the end but overall it was a good movie the final girl uh she's she's just as good as alice um if i like jenny even a little bit better than than i do um than i do alice i think like her she had character... a little more character this this time around because she was actually interacting with more yeah you know counselors and she already kind of had like this known rapport with paul so it it felt like a little more natural and she she had a good fight too at the end so overall i enjoyed it and uh you know i can't say that like when we get to like four five and six that i love it but like this is silver lightning film talk so Uh, i love it we will find we will find the positives but i think that these first two entries into the series are actually uh well done so jay's closing thoughts yeah so for the second movie i feel like they definitely did a better job with adding more of the lore i think it makes you it does make you question a little bit of the first movie with like we said if they do a24 i think this would be kind of like a cool avenue to especially if they were like kind of like what halloween has done recently where they take the first two movies and they kind of go off that lore unless they're gonna go off of the later movies but overall i thought the cast of characters were a lot more likable this time around um and again the kills were pretty good uh tom savini obviously still doing some of his best work um 
and overall i i think i liked the camp setting actually a little better this time around because everything seemed very close to each other which let you know that jason knows the hunting ground but he also knows when to go after people as well so it kind of gave you that suspense of like okay we know that when these characters leave and there's only two left we know when he's gonna you know strike yeah so i mean we thank you guys again for listening uh to the podcast and listening to our thoughts just one thing that i just want to add um as a correction because i just you know we're probably going to get certain things wrong and then people will be like that's not what that were. but uh tom savini didn't work on the second one for special effects okay. so i just want to say that uh for jay because there's probably going to be a time where i'm going to get something wrong and you know the audience would be like oh yeah well let me tell you something it'll be like um tom savini was there in spirit <laughs> but uh but no, I, I only remember this because I just watched part two again today and I saw that Savini was not on there. And uh, I would say that the special effects are better in part one than they are in part two. I think part part two are pretty straightforward kills in part one. They're a little bit more creative because I think Kevin Bacon's is probably one of the more creative ones. Um, because with the spear going through people, like you just see it go through the bed. Whereas like Savini, like literally they made a contraption for Kevin Bacon's neck and then like went Had through the it. Yeah. So, out, yeah. but yeah, but I just wanted to, to throw that out there just, just so we know. So like, but if we get something wrong, just let us know, I guess. I just know that, that Savini uh, worked on um, the first one. But besides that, we thank you again for listening to episode um, for Friday the 13th. We will have more episodes coming out soon. But again, um, we hope you enjoyed it and you took something from it. And once again, this is Silver Lining Film Talk with Jay and Ram. I'm Jay. I'm Ram, and I hope you have a good night.